all of a sudden, in spite of everything that had been happening that night, that girl started to turn pale. And weird things would happen, unexplainable things would happen. People don't normally talk about these things because you don't want to look crazy. But then when you do start talking about it, people come to you. This town is definitely haunted. You're listening to Why Is This Place So Haunted? The podcast that investigates places with a history of hauntings. I'm your host, Rachel Black. In this episode, we're visiting one of the most haunted towns in America, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Here, in the first three days of July, 1863, Union and Confederate soldiers faced off in the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. Rivers of blood turned the green fields red, and when the battle was over, the lives of close to 8,000 men had been lost, and tens of thousands more were wounded in some of the most gruesome ways imaginable. Today, Gettysburg is a picturesque small town. The main street is lined with historic federal-style buildings, cafes, charming B&Bs, and mom-and-pop shops. And yet, in this seemingly peaceful town, reports of supernatural activity are quite common. Could it be that the epic slaughter of 1863 is responsible for the restless spirits that linger on this site? We sent Sophia Asmuth of Destination America to investigate. Sophia, tell us about your first interview. Hi, Rachel. I met with Shannon, a student at College of Gettysburg. She and her roommates had some experiences that were keeping them up at night. And as she looked for an explanation to their scares, her story took an interesting turn. Here's Shannon. I live with seven girls in my sorority. About a week into when we moved, we started having strange experiences. I was sleeping one night, and then I hear this cackle. And I opened my eyes and I didn't see anything. It was just around me. I turned my lights on, I was freaked out, and I Googled our house. So as Shannon's searching, she reads her house is haunted, and Mark Nesbitt's name comes up. Turns out, Mark is the operator of the Ghosts of Gettysburg Candlelight Walking Tours, which had been passing by Shannon's house for years. Mark is also the author of seven Ghosts of Gettysburg books. Needless to say, he knows a lot about the paranormal activity in this town. Hoping to get to the bottom of the evening cackles and return to restful nights, Shannon contacted Mark. One of the interesting things about um, when Shannon called us is that I'd written about that particular house uh, in one of my books uh, 15 or so years ago. And this this entity would do things like uh, wake them up, reset an alarm clock so they, they wouldn't be late for something. One woman always kept her door open and one night she heard footsteps coming down the hall and saw her door close on its own, as if someone was taking care of them. So they set up a Ouija board, not recommended by the way, and they got a spelling of a name, and the the name was Joanna Craig. Fast forward a little bit to, to several months later, the woman who owned the house was having some work done. Her boyfriend was working Uh, in the backyard, he he was digging around, and he hit something, had sharp edges, it it was a block of granite. There was a name on this stone, carved on this stone, and the name was Joanna Craig. So now, 15 years after the Ouija board and the discovery of Joanna's grave, Mark walks into Shannon's house to confront Joanna. I asked Joanna Craig, if she was taking care of these ladies like she had before. And I got this EVP. For our listeners who don't know, EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena, 
otherwise known as ghost voices that can only be heard when the recorder is played back. I'll play that for you now. She says back to the question, are you here to take care for these girls? Apparently, I am. So, Sophia, Shannon told you that once she and her sorority sisters acknowledged the ghost, the disturbances calmed down, right? Yeah, um, it seems that Joanna was just looking for a little recognition and attention. And while this type of supernatural occurrence isn't uncommon for Mark these days, it wasn't always that way. Before Mark was a ghost guy, he was actually a Gettysburg Park Ranger. Uh, this all started back when I was a park ranger here at Gettysburg. And I used to live in um, some of the pretty historic houses out on the battlefield. And weird things would happen, unexplainable things would happen. I heard a baby crying once in the National Cemetery Lodge, and I, I was the only one there at the time. And so casually mentioned that, and my colleagues were like, wait, wait, hold it. You have to talk to such and such who lived there before you because we've heard stories. So I uh, found that person and talked to her. And sure enough, she had had that same experience of hearing babies crying, even though all her children were growing up. And I started talking to some of the older park rangers. And sure enough, they had some weird things that had happened to them. I've gotten photographs of mists. I've gotten my sleeve pulled, patted on the back of my head. Smell old-fashioned perfume, and it's because the women, after the battle, would try and do their shopping and everything in the, in the weeks in July after the battle, and all of a sudden, the wind would shift and the smell of decomp would, would hit them in town. Well, they'd carry their, their handkerchiefs soaked with rose water or lilac water and put them over their noses. And for Mark, one particular event stuck out. He got a call one day from a local caretaker who asked him to come over and take a look at something peculiar. And I walked in, and right there in the middle of the floor were streaks of this rust-colored liquid that appeared to be uh, crystallizing. So I dipped the Kleenex in the substance, in the liquid, and I'd been there about 25 minutes, half an hour, I said, Gee, I don't know what to do. He said, I got to get out of here. I got work to do out in the fields. Several hours later, I get a phone call, and it's the caretaker again. I said, what's up? He goes, it's gone. I said, I'll be right over. We walk into the room. He said, it was right here, right? And he squats down, and he rubs his hand where it was. He says, it was right here, right? I said, yeah. He says, what the heck? You look on his fingertips, and he's got just a thin, thin layer of dust. We have the sample in the car, and he gave it to one of the more prestigious forensic uh, labs in the state. Three weeks later, the report came back. The liquid was blood. The species was human. Wow, that's enough to give anyone a fright. But given the gruesome nature of the war and the many ways that soldiers died, it's not entirely unexpected that blood would factor prominently in the town. Right. And Mark went into detail about how awful the combat was. The Battle of Gettysburg, I mean, as all battles are, and in particular Civil War battles, 
was not clean and neat. It was pretty horrific. There were so many different ways to die in the Civil War. I mean, you could be bayoneted, particularly uh, ugly triangular bayonet, which is well over a foot long. Men would club their muskets and beat each other over the head, or fist fight, use rocks or whatever they or whatever they could. Artillery, that was a whole nother way to die. If you were um, attacking in a mass against artillery, they would switch to what they called canister, which is basically a tin can filled with iron balls. And the iron balls would, it would come out like a giant shotgun shell and just obliterate men. And this is when you have casualties include killed, wounded, and missing. And this is where you end up with the missing. They all didn't run away. Many of them simply vanished. So do you think that the violent manner in which people died has anything to do with the hauntings in the town? Oh yeah, definitely the violent manner uh, in which they died definitely had something to do with, with why we have so many ghosts and spirits remaining behind. Another is a youthful death, which most of the soldiers who died here were uh, in their early 20s or, or, or mid 20s. Sometimes they don't know they're dead. You know, in other words, it happens so quickly, you're gone. Some religions believe that if you're buried in an unconsecrated grave, it leads to a haunting and unrested spirit. And here at Gettysburg, every soldier was buried twice. Once where he fell on the battlefield. Then on November 19th, 1863, Lincoln came to dedicate the National Cemetery and then it was consecrated. So all these Union soldiers then were buried in consecrated ground. Um, however, you have uh, the Confederates who were not taken to the National Cemetery because they were the enemy. Just a few miles from the battlefield, there's another famous spot known for paranormal sightings, the Sacks Covered Bridge. The bridge stretches 100 feet across Marsh Creek and saw its share of bloody violence and sudden death in 1863. Today, the bridge is a quiet, scenic place, perfect for a picnic or a photo op. But its tranquility belies the flurry of ghostly activity that visitors have encountered here. It was uh, built in 1852 and um, was used during the Battle of Gettysburg by both Union and Confederate soldiers. Mostly Confederates after July 2nd. It became the rear area of the Confederate battle lines. And so all this area back behind us here was used as a hospital. So you can just imagine the horrors that took place uh, in these fields. And of course, whenever you have a hospital, you have men die. And so burials were also out here, and they did exhume some of the bodies, but they may not have gotten them all. And we have quite a few uh, paranormal experiences that have occurred that we've made uh, records of. Why? Well, you have, first of all, a very historic bridge. And this is the largest body of water in Gettysburg. It's flowing stream, Marsh Creek. And a lot of theorists say, paranormal theorists say, that water has energy. I mean, one cubic yard of water is an incredible amount of weight, and here it goes moving by very, very slowly with a lot of energy. Other people say ghosts need energy. They borrow energy. They, they kill batteries. They borrow it from water. Do you want to take us through the bridge? Are there any particular spots? Yeah, we can go to the other end. There was another experience that, that I have collected down there. A relative of mine was visiting Gettysburg, and 
he and his family had just approached on that side of the bridge. At that time, there was no access in this direction by cars. And there were no cars when they pulled up. They started walking across the bridge and they looked and right at this exact spot, there was what they described as a man in an old fashioned wheelchair. He was slumped over and they described he had a hat on. He looked disheveled. He was in this wheelchair that was out of time. They got about a quarter of the way across the bridge and they stopped. It didn't seem like he was alive. Now, the interesting thing about it that you have to remember is that even when the soldiers got old, they came back to Gettysburg. This was the most important thing that ever happened to them. It was a lot easier for them to return after they were dead <laughs> than uh, to return when, um, you know, in the old days when they were still alive. So why would the ghosts kind of go out of their way to want to come back to Gettysburg, which was probably one of the most painful days of their lives? I would sort of disagree in a way because it was so important to them. I mean, it was painful especially to those who died here. Um, the ones who returned, I think, were kind of proud of what they did here. I mean, the reunions themselves proved that in the 25th, 75th, 50th reunions that they had. They had tens of thousands of men come back. Do you want me to try and get some EVP? Oh, uh, here, sure, we'd love that. All yeah. right, let me see. I brought my, I brought my, now we know that there were Confederate soldiers out here. And the way this works, kind of strange because it's on voice activation. It's quiet now. It shouldn't be recording anything, but you can watch this little light. And if it blinks steadily, Okay, that means it is recording but not hearing anything. If it glows steadily, if you see the numbers start, then you know it's recording. So let's go ahead and see if we can get in touch with any Confederate soldiers, nice and quiet. Hi, this is Mark. Are there any Confederate soldiers out here with us today? Can you tell me, were you one of the wounded that was brought here? All right, let's play it back, see if we got anything. Hi, this is Mark. Are there any Confederate soldiers out here with us today? Can you tell me, were you one of the wounded that was brought here? Sophia, what did you and Mark hear in the EVP? Um, it's hard to make out, but Mark and I agreed that it sounded kind of like a yes. Well, let's replay it one more time for our listeners. Can you tell me where you one of the wounded that was brought here? That's EVP. So we know that the Battle of Gettysburg took place in the field, but it also spilled throughout the town, down Main Street, in people's yards, in churches, and many of the buildings that still stand today. One such place that was caught in the crosshairs is the Jenny Wade House. The home is important because Jenny Wade was the only civilian casualty of Gettysburg. She was killed by a stray bullet. The house is now a tourist spot and the site of hauntings, which can be explored with Joe Svella, who runs ghostly images of Gettysburg tours. Joe explained to Sophia how Jenny died and who might be responsible for the paranormal activity there. 
So this building was now right in the middle of the battle, couldn't have found a worse place to be. Uh, with that said, it was so bad that if you go outside, you can find bullet holes in the bricks. Uh, the third day of the battle, Jenny was in the parlor. She was reading out loud from the Bible, reading some passages about death. Georgia was lying in her bed with the baby. She didn't want to hear about death, so she asked Jenny to stop, and Jenny did. She closed her Bible. She calmly said, if anyone is to die in this house today, let it be me, for Georgia has her new little baby. Uh, after that, as she left the parlor, she came to the kitchen, and she wanted to make some biscuits for the family for breakfast. Uh, there was a lull in the fighting, things were quiet. She put herself behind the parlor door. I guess she felt safer being behind the exterior door and the interior door. But at that point, some Union soldier must have run by the building. Some Confederate took a shot out and missed. The bullet went through the exterior door, continued, went through the parlor door. Jenny's on the other side. The bullet went in her back, went right through her heart came out the front of her body, killed her instantly. She fell to the floor, becoming the only civilian to die during the battle. Though Jenny died in the parlor, her body was not left in that room. Take you down into the cellar. This is the neighbor's cellar. There was an identical cellar on the other side, but again, they couldn't get to that one because the Confederates were on the other side of the building. So. This is where they ended up. The soldiers placed Jenny's body where you see this display over here. And then the family was down here through the remainder of the battle. But it was a very emotional situation, very stressful for everybody. And that sort of anxiety can cause a haunting. Okay, Jenny Wade died here. And as Joe mentioned, there's a life-size model of her in the cellar. So is her spirit the cause of the supernatural activity? Probably, but she may not be the only source. Here's Joe with his theory. Well, I tell people now, I've, I've done the history here for eight years. I've been involved with the ghost tours since we started in 2003. I personally don't think Jenny Wade's ghost is here very often. I always tell people, you know, if you're a ghost and you get a chance to come back, are you gonna go where you met a tragic death? So I really don't think Jenny Wade's ghost haunts this house that much. I believe the dominant ghost in this house is Georgia, Jenny's sister. This was her house. Jenny came here to be safe, and then Jenny died here. So when Jenny died here, she felt so guilty. She's the one that insisted that the doors stay with bullet holes, that the damage to the mantelpiece stay, that the holes stay in the brick. She wanted reminders of Jenny's sacrifice. And even though she moved to Iowa, uh, she came back here almost every year the rest of her life to be here on the anniversary of Jenny's death. So that's how attached she was. I was doing a history tour one time, and this rocking chair just started to rock uh, by itself with nobody in it. And the rocker rocked, uh, I guess, for about five or six minutes with nobody in it. And, um, you know, I've seen doors open and close. I've felt cold spots. Um, I've heard voices in the house. And I believe it's basically George's ghost is the dominant ghost. Later on, you'll hear a little bit about Jenny Wade's father, which is a whole nother story. He uh, wasn't a very nice person. Uh, he was in and out of trouble his whole life, but uh, it's believed that his ghost also haunts his house. To fill me in on the ghost of Mr. Wade, Joe introduced me to Gene, a tour guide with ghostly images of Gettysburg. Gene's story sent chills down my spine. 
and I think you'll be just as spooked. I had a tour and I had two girls, which I call ghost magnets. The spirits seem actually attracted to them. Things were hopping that night. In the other side of the cellar used to be photographs and I showed people what might show up on their cameras. But the one girl stayed here, standing right where you are behind the benches. I came over to check on her and she said, I just spoke with Mr. Wade. In this business, you have to learn to keep an open mind. So I said, okay. What did Mr. Wade say to you? And she said, Mr. Wade said he wants his chair fixed. It's been broken too long. I stood right there talking to her. And all of a sudden, as I said, okay, I'll tell Joe, my boss who does the maintenance, that you said Mr. Wade wants his chair fixed. And all of a sudden, in spite of everything that had been happening that night, that girl started to turn pale. And she pointed over my shoulder. And when I turned around, this chain wasn't just waving. This chain was going up and down in three, four-inch waves. And you best believe I wasn't coming back down into the cellar again until I delivered Mr. Wade's message to Joe. I have a great respect for Mr. Wade. Sophia, you're right. That gave me goosebumps. I got the same feeling. And Karen, Joe's wife, had an experience with Mr. Wade that kept her away from the cellar until my visit. We were down here in the cellar, and Joe brought up the fact that he was creating a new tour and that he was going to be impersonating Jenny Wade's father, James Wade. And he says, what do you think about that, Mr. Wade? And I said, oh, Joe, you shouldn't ask that. Because if he says he doesn't like it, then you won't be able to do the tour. Joe says, I don't care what Mr. Wade thinks. With that, every piece of equipment went off. I was so scared. <laughs> I jumped up. I ran up those steps and out. And I said, I'm never going in that cellar again. Well, it was very kind, or should I say brave, of Karen to face her fears and return to the cellar. Sophia, after your time in Gettysburg and the many stories you've heard about the paranormal activity there, do you have any theories as to what makes this town so haunted or even why certain people's spirits hang around? I've thought about this quite a bit and I don't have a definitive answer. To me, it seems if people who have died violently, lived a troubled life, or have suffered an immense loss find it hard to fully leave behind this mortal life. So that could explain the mournful soul of Jenny's sister, or the angry spirit of her father, and the ghosts of those lost during the battle. Exactly. Mark Nesbitt also mentioned a theory that I do find fascinating, is that the energy released upon death permeates a place. We know for a fact that when, when we die, uh, there's a burst of of photons. And when you look at the Battle of Gettysburg and other traumatic experiences, this energy uh, is, is given off in such great quantities um, that it has to go somewhere. Perhaps it's absorbed by the surroundings, by the environment, the wood, the earth, the, 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 the granite, and the, uh, and the quartz in the granite. And so there, there may very well be all these beings that once lived around us right now in a form that we just can't tap into except extemporaneously. How can we determine the way to release that energy? And if we could do that, boy, wouldn't we have a lot of questions answered. 
An intriguing thought. While there are many theories as to the causes of paranormal activity, and investigations do yield compelling evidence and insights, unanswered questions will always remain. We'll keep exploring the unknown in pursuit of those answers. If you want to check out pictures and documents from the stories you heard here, go to thehauntist.com, a blog dedicated to the creepy, spooky, and odd, brought to you by Destination America. Thanks to our contributors, Mark Nesbitt and Joe Svella. You can also find out more about them and links to their work on our blog. Why Is This Place So Haunted is a collaboration between Destination America and The Hauntist. This episode was written and produced by Kathy Garland, Sophia Asmuth, and Rachel Black. Audio sound design and mixing provided by Cadell Cook. Audio and field support provided by David Godbout.